Chapter Seven of the Autobiography of Benjamin Franklin. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Autobiography of Benjamin Franklin by Benjamin Franklin. Chapter Seven Beginning Business in Philadelphia. We sailed from Gravesend on the twenty third of July, seventeen twenty six for the incidents of the voyage i refer you to my journal where you will find them all minutely related perhaps the most important part of that journal is the plan to be found in it which i formed at sea for regulating my future conduct in life it is the more remarkable as being formed when i was so young and yet being pretty faithfully adhered to quite through to old age we landed in philadelphia on the eleventh of october where i found sundry alterations keith was no longer governor being superseded by major gordon i met him walking the streets as a common citizen he seemed a little ashamed at seeing me but passed without saying anything i should have been as much ashamed at seeing miss reed had not her friends despairing with reason of my return after the receipt of my letter persuaded her to marry another one rogers a potter which was done in my absence with him however she was never happy and soon parted from him refusing to cohabit with him or bear his name it now being said that he had another wife he was a worthless fellow though an excellent workman which was the temptation to her friends he got into debt ran away in seventeen twenty seven or seventeen twenty eight went to the west indies and died there keimer had got a better house a shop well supplied with stationery plenty of new types a number of hands though none good and seemed to have a great deal of business mr denham took a store in water street where we opened our goods i attended the business diligently studied accounts and grew in a little time expert at selling we lodged and boarded together he counselled me as a father having a sincere regard for me i respected and loved him and we might have gone on together very happy but in the beginning of february seventeen twenty six or seven when i had just passed my twenty-first year we were both taken ill my distemper was a pleurisy which very nearly carried me off i suffered a good deal gave up the point in my own mind and was rather disappointed when i found myself recovering regretting in some degree that i must now some time or other have all that disagreeable work to do over again i forget what his distemper was it held him a long time and at length carried him off he left me a small legacy in an uncupative will as a token of his kindness for me and he left me once more to the wide world for the store was taken into the care of his executors and my employment under him ended my brother-in-law holmes being now at philadelphia advised my return to my business and keimer tempted me with an offer of large wages by the year to come and take the management of his printing-house that he might better attend his stationer's shop i had heard a bad character of him in london from his wife and her friends and was not fond of having any more to do with him i tried for farther employment as a merchant's clerk but not readily meeting with any i closed again with keimer i found in his house these hands hugh meredith a welsh pennsylvanian thirty years of age bred to country work 
honest sensible had a great deal of solid observation was something of a reader but given to drink stephen potts a young countryman of full age bred to the same of uncommon natural parts and great wit and humour but a little idle these he had agreed with at extreme low wages per week to be raised a shilling every three months as they would deserve by improving in their business and the expectation of these high wages to come on hereafter was what he had drawn them in with meredith was to work at press potts at bookbinding which he by agreement was to teach them though he knew neither one nor t'other john blank a wild irishman brought up to no business whose service for four years keimer had purchased from the captain of a ship he too was to be made a pressman george webb an oxford scholar whose time for four years he had likewise bought intending him for a compositor of whom more presently and david harry a country boy whom he had taken apprentice i soon perceived that the intention of engaging me at wages so much higher than he had been used to give was to have these raw cheap hands formed through me and as soon as i had instructed them then they all being articled to him he should be able to do without me i went on however very cheerfully put his printing-house in order which had been in great confusion and brought his hands by degrees to mind their business and to do it better it was an odd thing to find an oxford scholar in the situation of a bought servant he was not more than eighteen years of age and gave me this account of himself that he was born in gloucester educated at a grammar school there had been distinguished among the scholars for some apparent superiority in performing his part when they exhibited plays belonged to the witty club there and had written some pieces in prose and verse which were printed in the gloucester newspapers thence he was sent to oxford where he continued about a year but not well satisfied wishing of all things to see london and become a player at length receiving his quarterly allowance of fifteen guineas instead of discharging his debts he walked out of town hid his gown in a furze bush and footed it to london where having no friend to advise him he fell into bad company soon spent his guineas found no means of being introduced among the players grew necessitous pawned his clothes and wanted bread walking the street very hungry and not knowing what to do with himself a crimped bill was put into his hand offering immediate entertainment and encouragement to such as would bind themselves to serve in america he went directly signed the indentures was put into the ship and came over never writing a line to acquaint his friends what was become of him he was lively witty good-natured and a pleasant companion but idle thoughtless and imprudent to the last degree john the irishman soon ran away with the rest i began to live very agreeably for they all respected me the more as they found keimer incapable of instructing them and that from me they learned something daily we never worked on saturday that being keimer's sabbath so i had two days for reading my acquaintance with ingenious people in the town increased keimer himself treated me with great civility and apparent regard and nothing now made me uneasy but my debt to vernon which i was yet unable to pay being hitherto but a poor economist he however kindly made no demand of it 
our printing-house often wanted sorts and there was no letter founder in america i had seen types cast at james in london but without much attention to the manner however i now contrived a mould made use of the letters we had as puncheons struck the matrices in lead and thus supplied in a pretty tolerable way all deficiencies i also engraved several things on occasion i made the ink i was warehouseman and everything and in short quite a factotum but however serviceable i might be i found that my services became every day of less importance as the other hands improved in the business and when keimer paid my second quarter's wages he let me know that he felt them too heavy and thought i should make an abatement he grew by degrees less civil put on more of the master frequently found fault was captious and seemed ready for an outbreaking i went on nevertheless with a good deal of patience thinking that his encumbered circumstances were partly the cause at length a trifle snapped our connections for a great noise happening near the courthouse i put my head out of the window to see what was the matter keimer being in the street looked up and saw me called out to me in a loud voice and angry tone to mind my business adding some reproachful words that nettled me the more for their publicity all the neighbors who were looking out on the same occasion being witnesses how i was treated he came up immediately into the printing-house continued the quarrel high words passed on both sides he gave me the quarter's warning we had stipulated expressing a wish that he had not been obliged to so long a warning i told him his wish was unnecessary for i would leave him that instant and so taking my hat walked out of doors desiring meredith whom i saw below to take care of some things i left and bring them to my lodgings meredith came accordingly in the evening when we talked my affair over he had conceived a great regard for me and was very unwilling that i should leave the house while he remained in it he dissuaded me from returning to my native country which i began to think of he reminded me that keimer was in debt for all he possessed that his creditors began to be uneasy that he kept his shop miserably sold often without profit for ready money and often trusted without keeping accounts that he must therefore fail which would make a vacancy i might profit of i objected my want of money he then let me know that his father had a high opinion of me and from some discourse that had passed between them he was sure would advance money to set us up if i would enter into partnership with him my time says he will be out with keimer in the spring by that time we may have our press and types in from london i am sensible i am no workman if you like it your skill in the business shall be set against the stock i furnish and we shall share the profits equally the proposal was agreeable and i consented his father was in town and approved of it the more as he saw i had great influence with his son had prevailed on him to abstain long from dram-drinking and he hoped might break him of that wretched habit entirely when we came to be so closely connected i gave an inventory to the father who carried it to a merchant the things were sent for the secret was to be kept till they should arrive and in the meantime i was to get work if i could at the other printing-house but i found no vacancy there and so remained idle a few days when keimer 
on a prospect of being employed to print some paper money in new jersey which would require cuts in various types that i only could supply and apprehending bradford might engage me and get the job from him sent me a very civil message that old friends should not part for a few words the effect of sudden passion and wishing me to return meredith persuaded me to comply as it would give more opportunity for his improvement under my daily instructions so i returned and we went on more smoothly than for some time before the new jersey job was obtained i contrived a copperplate press for it the first that had been seen in the country i cut several ornaments and checks for the bills we went together to burlington where i executed the whole to satisfaction and he received so large a sum for the work as to be enabled thereby to keep his head much longer above water at burlington i made an acquaintance with many principal people of the province several of them had been appointed by the assembly a committee to attend the press and take care that no more bills were printed than the law directed they were therefore by turns constantly with us and generally he who attended brought with him a friend or two for company my mind having been much more improved by reading than keimer's i suppose it was for that reason my conversation seemed to be more valued they had me to their houses introduced me to their friends and showed me much civility while he though the master was a little neglected in truth he was an odd fish ignorant of common life fond of rudely opposing received opinions slovenly to extreme dirtiness enthusiastic in some points of religion and a little knavish withal we continued there near three months and by that time i could reckon among my acquired friends judge allen samuel bustill the secretary of the province isaac pearson joseph cooper and several of the smiths members of assembly and isaac de cow the surveyor-general the latter was a shrewd sagacious old man who told me that he began for himself when young by wheeling clay for brickmakers learned to ride after he was of age carried the chain for surveyors who taught him surveying and he had now by his industry acquired a good estate and says he i foresee that you will soon work this man out of his business and make a fortune in it at philadelphia he had not then the least intimation of my intention to set up there or anywhere these friends were afterwards of great use to me as i occasionally was to some of them they all continued their regard for me as long as they lived before i enter upon my public appearance in business it may be well to let you know the then state of my mind with regard to my principles and morals that you may see how far those influence the future events of my life my parents had early given me religious impressions and brought me through my childhood piously in the dissenting way but i was scarce fifteen when after doubting by turns of several points as i found them disputed in the different books i read i began to doubt of revelation itself some books against deism fell into my hands they were said to be the substance of sermons preached at boyle's lectures it happened that they wrought an effect on me quite contrary to what was intended by them for the arguments of the deists which were quoted to be refuted appeared to me much stronger than the refutations in short i soon became a thorough deist 
my arguments perverted some others particularly collins and ralph but each of them having afterwards wronged me greatly without the least compunction and recollecting keith's conduct towards me who was another freethinker and my own towards vernon and miss reed which at times gave me great trouble i began to suspect that this doctrine though it might be true was not very useful my london pamphlet which had for its motto these lines of dryden whatever is is right though purblind man sees but a part of the chain the nearest link his eyes not carrying to the equal beam that poises all above and from the attributes of god his infinite wisdom goodness and power concluded that nothing could possibly be wrong in the world and that vice and virtue were empty distinctions no such things existing appeared now not so clever a performance as i once thought it and i doubted whether some error had not insinuated itself unperceived into my argument so as to infect all that followed as is common in metaphysical reasonings i grew convinced that truth sincerity and integrity in dealings between man and man were of the utmost importance to the felicity of life and i formed written resolutions which still remain in my journal-book to practise them ever while i lived revelation had indeed no weight with me as such but i entertained an opinion that though certain actions might not be bad because they were forbidden by it or good because it commanded them yet probably these actions might be forbidden because they were bad for us or commanded because they were beneficial to us in their own natures all the circumstances of things considered and this persuasion with the kind hand of providence or some guardian angel or accidental favourable circumstances and situations or altogether preserved me through this dangerous time of youth and the hazardous situations i was sometimes in among strangers remote from the eye and advice of my father without any wilful gross immorality or injustice that might have been expected from my want of religion i say wilful because the instances i have mentioned had something of necessity in them from my youth inexperience and the knavery of others i had therefore a tolerable character to begin the world with i valued it properly and determined to preserve it we had not been long returned to philadelphia before the new types arrived from london we settled with keimer and left him by his consent before he heard of it we found a house to hire near the market and took it to lessen the rent which was then but twenty-four pounds a year though i have since known it to let for seventy we took in thomas godfrey a glazier and his family who were to pay a considerable part of it to us and we to board with them we had scarce opened our letters and put our press in order before george house an acquaintance of mine brought a countryman to us whom he had met in the street inquiring for a printer all our cash was now expended in the variety of particulars we had been obliged to procure and this countryman's five shillings being our first fruits and coming so seasonably gave me more pleasure than any crown i have since earned and the gratitude i felt toward house has made me often more ready than perhaps i should otherwise have been to assist young beginners there are croakers in every country always boating its ruin such a one then lived in philadelphia 
a person of note an elderly man with a wise look and a very grave manner of speaking his name was samuel mickle this gentleman a stranger to me stopped one day at my door and asked me if i was the young man who had lately opened a new printing-house being answered in the affirmative he said he was sorry for me because it was an expensive undertaking and the expense would be lost for philadelphia was a sinking place the people already half bankrupts or near being so all appearances to the contrary such as new buildings and the rise of rents being to his certain knowledge fallacious for they were in fact among the things that would soon ruin us and he gave me such a detail of misfortunes now existing or that were soon to exist that he left me half melancholy had i known him before i engaged in this business probably i never should have done it this man continued to live in this decaying place and to declaim in the same strain refusing for many years to buy a house there because all was going to destruction and at last i had the pleasure of seeing him give five times as much for one as he might have bought it for when he first began his croaking i should have mentioned before that in the autumn of the preceding year i had formed most of my ingenious acquaintance into a club of mutual improvement which was called the junto we met on friday evenings the rules that i drew up required that every member in his turn should produce one or more queries on any point of morals politics or natural philosophy to be discussed by the company and once in three months produce and read an essay of his own writing on any subject he pleased our debates were to be under the direction of a president and to be conducted in the sincere spirit of inquiry after truth without fondness for dispute or desire of victory and to prevent warmth all expressions of positiveness in opinions or direct contradiction were after some time made contraband and prohibited under small pecuniary penalties the first members were joseph brightnall a copier of deeds for the scriveners a good-natured friendly middle-aged man a great lover of poetry reading all he could meet with and writing some that was tolerable very ingenious in many little knick-knackeries and of sensible conversation thomas godfrey a self-taught mathematician great in his way and afterward inventor of what is now called hadley's quadrant but he knew little out of his way and was not a pleasing companion as like most great mathematicians i have met with he expected universal precision in everything said or was forever denying or distinguishing upon trifles to the disturbance of all conversation he soon left us nicholas skull a surveyor afterwards surveyor-general who loved books and sometimes made a few verses william parsons bred a shoemaker but loved reading had acquired a considerable share of mathematics which he first studied with a view to astrology that he afterwards laughed at it he also became surveyor-general william malgridge a joiner a most exquisite mechanic and a solid sensible man hugh meredith stephen potts and george webb i have characterized before robert grace a young gentleman of some fortune generous lively and witty a lover of punning and of his friends and william coleman then a merchant's clerk 
about my age who had the coolest clearest head the best heart and the exactest morals of almost any man i ever met with he became afterwards a merchant of great note and one of our provincial judges our friendship continued without interruption to his death upwards of forty years and the club continued almost as long and was the best school of philosophy morality and politics that then existed in the province for our queries which were read the week preceding their discussion put us upon reading with attention upon the several subjects that we might speak more to the purpose and here too we acquired better habits of conversation everything being studied in our rules which might prevent our disgusting each other from hence the long continuance of the club which i shall have frequent occasion to speak further of hereafter but my giving this account of it here is to show something of the interest i had every one of these exerting themselves in recommending business to us brightnall particularly procured us from the quakers the printing forty sheets of their history the rest being to be done by keimer and upon this we worked exceedingly hard for the price was low it was a folio pro patria size in pica with long primer notes i composed of it a sheet a day and meredith worked it off at press it was often eleven at night and sometimes later before i had finished my distribution for the next day's work for the little jobs sent in by our other friends now and then put us back but so determined i was to continue doing a sheet a day of the folio that one night when having imposed my forms i thought my day's work over one of them by accident was broken and two pages reduced to pie i immediately distributed and composed it over again before i went to bed and this industry visible to our neighbors began to give us character and credit particularly i was told that mention being made of the new printing-house at the merchants every night club the general opinion was that it must fail there being already two printers in the place keimer and bradford but dr baird whom you and i saw many years after at his native place st andrews in scotland gave a contrary opinion for the industry of that franklin says he is superior to anything i ever saw of the kind i see him still at work when i go home from the club and he is at work again before his neighbors are out of bed this struck the rest and we soon after had offers from one of them to supply us with stationery but as yet we did not choose to engage in shop business i mention this industry the more particularly and the more freely though it seems to be talking in my own praise that those of my posterity who shall read it may know the use of that virtue when they see its effects in my favour throughout this relation george webb who had found a female friend that lent him wherewith to purchase his time of keimer now came to offer himself as journeyman to us we could not then employ him but i foolishly let him know as a secret that i soon intended to begin a newspaper and might then have work for him my hopes of success as i told him were founded on this that the then only newspaper printed by bradford was a paltry thing wretchedly managed no way entertaining and yet was profitable to him i therefore thought a good paper would scarcely fail of good encouragement i requested webb not to mention it but he told it to keimer 
who immediately to be beforehand with me published proposals for printing one himself on which webb was to be employed i resented this and to counteract them as i could not yet begin our paper i wrote several pieces of entertainment for bradford's paper under the title of busybody which brightnall continued some months by this means the attention of the public was fixed on that paper and keimer's proposals which we burlesqued and ridiculed were disregarded he began his paper however and after carrying it on three-quarters of a year with at most only ninety subscribers he offered it to me for a trifle and i having been ready some time to go on with it took it in hand directly and it proved in a few years extremely profitable to me i perceive that i am apt to speak in the singular number though our partnership still continued the reason may be that in fact the whole management of the business lay upon me meredith was no compositor a poor pressman and seldom sober my friends lamented my connection with him but i was to make the best of it our first papers made a quite different appearance from any before in the province a better type and better printed but some spirited remarks of my writing on the dispute then going on between governor burnett and the massachusetts assembly struck the principal people occasioned the paper and the manager of it to be much talked of and in a few weeks brought them all to be our subscribers their example was followed by many and our number went on growing continually this was one of the first good effects of my having learnt a little to scribble another was that the leading men seeing a newspaper now in the hands of one who could also handle a pen thought it convenient to oblige and encourage me bradford still printed the votes and laws and other public business he had printed an address of the house to the governor in a coarse blundering manner we reprinted it elegantly and correctly and sent one to every member they were sensible of the difference it strengthened the hands of our friends in the house and they voted us their printers for the year ensuing among my friends in the house i must not forget mr hamilton before mentioned who was then returned from england and had a seat in it he interested himself for me strongly in that instance as he did in many others afterward continuing his patronage till his death mr vernon about this time put me in mind of the debt i owed him but did not press me i wrote him an ingenuous letter of acknowledgment craved his forbearance a little longer which he allowed me and as soon as i was able i paid the principal with interest and many thanks so that erratum was in some degree corrected but now another difficulty came upon me which i had never the least reason to expect mr meredith's father who was to have paid for our printing-house according to the expectations given me was able to advance only one hundred pounds currency which had been paid and a hundred more was due to the merchant who grew impatient and sued us all we gave bail but saw that if the money could not be raised in time the suit must soon come to a judgment and execution and our hopeful prospects must with us be ruined as the press and letters must be sold for payment perhaps at half price in this distress two true friends whose kindness i have never forgotten nor ever shall forget while i can remember anything came to me separately unknown to each other and without any application from me 
offering each of them to advance me all the money that should be necessary to enable me to take the whole business upon myself if that should be practicable but they did not like my continuing the partnership with meredith who as they said was often seen drunk in the streets and playing at low games in alehouses much to our discredit these two friends were william coleman and robert grace i told them i could not propose a separation while any prospect remained of the merediths fulfilling their part of our agreement because i thought myself under great obligations to them for what they had done and would do if they could but if they finally failed in their performance and our partnership must be dissolved i should then think myself at liberty to accept the assistance of my friends thus the matter rested for some time when i said to my partner perhaps your father is dissatisfied at the part you have undertaken in this affair of ours and is unwilling to advance for you and me what he would do for you alone if that is the case tell me and i will resign the whole to you and go about my business no said he my father has really been disappointed and is really unable and i am unwilling to distress him farther i see this is a business i am not fit for i was bred a farmer and it was folly in me to come to town and put myself at thirty years of age an apprentice to learn a new trade many of our welsh people are going to settle in north carolina where land is cheap i am inclined to go with them and follow my old employment you may find friends to assist you if you will take the debts of the company upon you return to my father the hundred pounds he has advanced pay my little personal debts and give me thirty pounds and a new saddle i will relinquish the partnership and leave the whole in your hands i agreed to this proposal it was drawn up in writing signed and sealed immediately i gave him what he demanded and he went soon after to carolina from whence he sent me the next year two long letters containing the best account that had been given of that country the climate the soil husbandry etc for in those matters he was very judicious i printed them in the papers and they gave great satisfaction to the public as soon as he was gone i recurred to my two friends and because i would not give an unkind preference to either i took half of what each had offered and i wanted of one and half of the other paid off the company's debts and went on with the business in my own name advertising that the partnership was dissolved i think this was in or about the year seventeen twenty nine end of chapter seven